Hey, everybody. Uh, welcome to uh, our new episode of Casual Politics. I'm Amar. Uh, I'm co-host Boston. And today we've got another special guest for you guys. Uh, so his name is uh, Daniel. Uh, he wants to go on a first name basis, Daniel Gricko. And he's <laughs> <laughs> That's right. Yeah. Um, how politics hey, should be, right? Um, That's right. And so he's running for office in Georgia. Uh, so he's a first time, you know, uh, first time, you know, candidate. Um, he's an author, you know, uh, he's, he's been involved with, you know, a lot of stuff, um, a lot of work. And he definitely, you know, like really sees a different way of politics that I think a lot of people do. And so it's, it's great to have, you know, free thinking minds like that, right? We obviously get involved in, you know, oh, like think this way, think that way. But it's good to have, you know, sort of like a I'm going to think my own way because I think that's cool. So, uh, Daniel, without further ado, would you like to introduce yourself a little bit more? For sure, man. Thank you so much. My name is Daniel M. Greco. I'm running for the 70th District of Georgia for the Georgia House of Representatives. It's not going to be till next year, but the way the lady was saying it on the phone, I got to start my campaign this summer. So we're going to get we're going to get started early. You know what I'm saying? We got to get amped for this. Perfect. Yeah. Early bird gets the worm. I mean, what else can you say, right? There you go. Oh, 100%. 100%. Would you like to hear about my opponent? Oh, okay. Go for it. Yeah, yeah. <laughs> okay. So I could not run under the Republican Party because the Republican Party nominee is incumbent and has been in the position since 1997. She's run unopposed. She's got 100% of the vote every uh -huh. time for 20 years. Yeah. Yay. Crazy. She's 75 years old. She's got grandkids. She's got her. Uh, she needs to retire. She needs to go home to be with her grandkids. You know what I'm saying? Like, there you go. Yeah. Eventually, yeah. you got to draw a damn line somewhere. You know, like your family needs you. Your family wants to spend time with you. I doubt very much. I'm, I'm doing her a favor by running. Does that make sense? I'm doing yeah. her a favor by running. Yeah. 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 <laughs> yeah. And it's yeah. like, you know, that's an interesting point you bring up. Because I think one thing that like people agree on a lot, which is like really bipartisan, is term limits. What's your like take on term limits? Like I know that you know at the federal level they've been you know discussed. Ted Cruz, AOC, even right two people literally on the opposite side of each other has proposed this idea. Uh, what's your what's your sort of take on that? Well, term limits. I think that the present system. Uh, people that are currently in politics presently try to game the system and they know they can stay in the position with a guaranteed salary, guaranteed benefits. And it's literally, you know, going into a job and saying for the job, hey, you know, you, you could work however long you want and it doesn't really matter. And, you know, if, if there's not much competition in X district and you are going to be the familiar face, then there's no reason that you can't. I think it's a terrible idea. I think that um, that sort of process has clogged up legislation for a very, very long time because you have these people that are the, the minimum age to run in the Georgia House of Representatives is 21 years old. Mm -hmm. I looked on Ballotpedia. Everyone is in their 50s, their 60s, yeah. you know, and they've all been there a very, very long time. You know, they, they could have furthered mm -hmm. their political career. They could have done something else. But, you know, unfortunately, it seems like nobody has the balls to do it. The youngest age to be in a federal position, the U.S. House of Representatives is 25 years old. The average age is 58. And the youngest age to be in the U.S. Senate is 30 years old. And the average age, the average age is 62. Yep, yep, yep. So I think I think you know what the the six years in the Senate I think if if you're a good senator if if you're and that's the thing like I like to think of a lot of politicians as like an estranged father you know they only come back once every so often once every couple of years they're all over your TV they're all over the internet they're everything else the ads are everywhere hey uh, let let me get your vote and then I'm gonna disappear you know you you hear about like shit going on in society and then everyone's just like oh call your congressman you know mail your congressman and no one really does no because no one really knows who their congressman is on on the local level maybe the federal level if their name is out there then you know who they are other than that man like you're you're sol you know you have you have to do some deep digging i think these politicians make you want to do deep digging to look for them and kind of discourage you from even contacting them does that make sense? Yeah, absolutely. Yeah, that, that makes that makes that makes total sense. Um, and I'm just get at that a little bit because because obviously you said earlier you're not you're not running as a Republican. 
You're also not yes. running as a Democrat. You're running as an independent. And, and I wanted to ask you, we wanted to ask you, why, why as an independent? I'm actually running as a Democrat because I oh, was you are going running to as a run. I, yeah, yeah, I was going to run as an independent, but that yeah, automatically yeah. disqualifies me from a lot of funding, and you need you need oh, the funding, yeah. you know. So mm -hmm, mm -hmm. you got to you win some, lose some. Mm -hmm, mm -hmm. Okay. Okay. So, so why, why I guess then the Democratic policy? Because I remember you, you know, when we were first getting into contact, you you have issues that are you're on sides of issues that the Democrats generally favor, but then you're also on issues that Republicans generally favor. So I guess, obviously, there's a reason you can't run as a Republican, but would you have run as a Republican if that she, if she wasn't there, if your, if your opponent wasn't there? Well, um, generally, my district is pretty deep red. So running as a Democrat is an uphill battle. I, I'd say there's probably a 75% chance to get my ass kicked. You know what I'm saying? But I think my main message that I want to give to everyone is that anyone can do this. You know, if it were easy, everyone would do it. But anyone can do this. If you were 21 years old, if you have a gift, if you have a talent, if you think you have what it takes, there is nothing stopping you. You know, and I, I think more people need to hear that because, like I said, there's no young people in politics. And that's why the whole... The whole vote idea is nice. The whole um, be an activist, the whole do this for your community. I mean, all, like Kanye West said, all that talk don't work. You know what I'm saying? Like you actually have to do, you have to run for the seat. You have to represent the people in your generation because right now, I don't know how old you guys are. How old are you guys? We're, I'm 19, yeah. 18, 19, yeah, yeah. Okay, I'm 20. Our generation has no representation in politics whatsoever. You know, mm -hmm. it's almost like we're the forgotten generation. Everyone born after 9-11 doesn't matter. And they're just, we're just kids to them. Just quite frankly, we're, we're just kids to them. That's valid. Yeah. Yeah, actually. If you, yeah, because I mean, you know, if you think about it, right, what you were alluding to last or a little bit earlier, how everyone's so old. Having and you know our generation is the generation's gonna have to deal with all their stuff, you know that you know stuff that they've done nothing on, like climate change. They've done nothing on. We're gonna have to deal with it. We're gonna have to deal with the fact that you know, like I mean, we've seen it on the TV already, you know, but um, like school shootings, right? Frankly, I mean that's mm -hmm. that's a problem that our generation is dealing with. And right now, our generation is dealing with you know the economic fallout of COVID nineteen, you know. COVID-19 as a, as a virus. And yeah, we have no representation on pretty much any of those issues. Absolutely. And the Democrats are generally more receptive to younger candidates, I have noticed. You know, you have uh, Madison Cawthorn. He's a great inspiration of mine. He's a representative from North Carolina. He's one of the only exceptions. He ran 25 years old. He's got his seat. He's a Republican, but he is the exception, not the rule. I think generally the Democrats are more receptive of um, youthful action i don't th i think a lot of gop voters are older and they don't necessarily trust us you know and you know how old older generations generally are they're like oh we've got all this figured out if you guys really had it figured out then i wouldn't be running at 20 years old i wouldn't feel the need to run does that make sense absolutely yeah right so so really they're, they're just lying to themselves at that point so um i'm i'm very pretty i'm very socially liberal i would say um Except for the Second Amendment, I think we need we do need guns with with how with how the world is, the world's a mess. I think we do need we can't we can't be taking that right away because it is, it is in the Bill of Rights. I think that too many people get unregistered firearms and go and commit crimes. Of course, I think that's an issue. And I think that there needs to be a major crackdown on that and a major crackdown on who can buy a gun, but not necessarily uh, what type of gun it can be, you know, necessarily like that. I think any gun can be a safe gun with the proper training. Yeah. And, you know, I think um, just like my little own two cents here, you know, with, with what happened at the Capitol, uh, what was it, a week ago about, you know, that's, that's, you know, I'm a, I'm a pretty, you know, I was pretty liberal on guns before, right? Like, oh, gun control, like, oh, this, that. But even, even that's like kind of changing my mind, like, you know, on guns. Mm -hmm. Because you know, I mean, this this happened right in front of my eyes. You know, and these people were armed and stuff. It's it's a little scary. Um, oh yeah. yeah, the bad guys are always gonna find a way to get a gun. That's the way I look at it. Absolutely. No, that's true. That's true. Okay. Okay. 
for sure. But um, other than that, I'm I'm socially liberal and everything. You know, I I want I want to smoke my pot. I want my gay cousin to have a nice wedding. You know what I'm saying? Everything yeah, else. Yeah. I think I think everyone needs rights. I think there are many marginalized groups in our country that people don't pay attention to simply because they're ignorant. You know, they don't want they don't want to um, accept that these issues are going on in other communities. For example, old white people aren't going to know what goes on in a black community. Plain and simple, plain and simple. You know, you do not. I don't even know what it means to be black. I I could imagine. I've talked to many of my black friends about the everyday struggles they've gone through, the stereotypes they face, the uh, discrimination they face. And I think that if more people realize how dis- how much discrimination really happens, I think that would disgust them. Oh, absolutely. Yeah, no. And it's like, we are like, the way I see it is like, I shouldn't be the one, you know, telling what they can or can't do. You know what I'm saying? Um, exactly. Yeah. Okay. Okay. Um, and I think the establishment, which um, I remember I put down corruption as one of my topics, mm. the establishment on both sides, and even the, I'd say most of the higher level Democrats are just as corrupt as the Republicans. You know what I'm saying? Like they're all out for themselves. They're so bought out by lobbyists and special interest groups. You know, they have their millions of dollars. They, they probably take their campaign funding and spend it on themselves at this point. You know what I'm saying? Because like they simply have that much money, expendable income from well-meaning donors that are just like okay you know maybe if we give them x amount of money then they'll they'll make some change but obviously that never happens because again that's why i'm running you know to make to make that change i know i remember as an example you know like nancy pelosi um having and anish um, our other co-host can go on and on about this but having multiple multiple loads of of outfits worn, right? And can't can't fight for $2,000 stimulus checks until the very end, right? Just an example of all the corruption within high-ranking members of right. you, you Democrats got, you got and people, You got people on the streets in San Francisco where she's yep. in charge, apparently, and this woman owns vineyards. She owns mo- a lot of real estate. She could give every homeless guy in San Francisco a house if she wanted to, you know? Like, she's worth $150 million, you know? You and go. you're yeah, arguing exactly. about 600 bucks? Come on. It's ridiculous. Yeah, yeah. yeah. <laughs> it's crazy. Oh my goodness. So I got a I got a question for you. Um, we've been talking a little bit about campaign finance, right? Is what we just talked mm-hmm. about. Is that sort of how you want to run your campaign? Um, you know, like sort of donations only mm-hmm. by the people. Are you gonna accept corporate PAC money, that sort of thing? Oh fuck packs, dude. I, I no, no, fuck packs. Lobbyists, however, lobbyists are necessary because they help you write legislation. And you know, I don't know everything, man. Like they're they're experts in their field and they would help me write legislation. And you know what? If they do a good job, I'd accept a check from them. But other than that, man, I want it to be a hundred percent from the people. Like AOC, her her AOC's way of funding is the way I would like to do things for sure. I definitely think too, that's like the future, right? We're seeing more and more people be like, no, like even, you know, after, you know, the, the whole fallout with the capital, a lot of companies are like, no, we're not going to even, you know, spend any money anymore on political groups. And I think that's a good thing. I really do think so. Um, it brings, you know, people closer to their constituents and such. Um, but yeah. So I think like talk a little bit also about like how you would like to run, like your style of, you know, legislating, your style of working, uh, you know, working in the in the Georgia Assembly, was it? Um, the Georgia State House. Georgia State House. Yeah. Um, so like what's your like what are some things that you want to do differently, um, like working and legislating there that you haven't seen done before? Well, first of all, you know, I, I would be the youngest lawmaker in Georgia history if I get elected. And I think that 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 I mean, really, most of it's a statement, you know what I'm saying? Because I hope that kids around America, because I mean, obviously, it would be news, and it would be good press and kids around America, I want them to see that and go, hey, I that inspires me to take a seat that in, uh, that inspires me to challenge, you know, someone who could be double triple my age, even, you know, and 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 challenge them and ultimately win because i think you know i I would say you guys are this podcast is liberal leaning yes yeah i'd say so 
Okay. So you and me, we, we would say, say if we were both in the house, I think we would get a lot more shit done just talking shit and, you know, and, and bantering and things like that. You realize how stuffy the inside of the House of Representatives is. I was a page when I was 12 years old. I, I went and I saw the whole thing. It was so formal and uptight and everyone was just, you know, thought who they were and everything like that. You need a little humility, you know, you need to be human. You need to act like a human being and talk like a human being, which is why I don't like scripts either. You know, people are just like, well, you need to be your own script writer or else. Why the hell would I hire? Why, why would I, why would I spend thousands of dollars on a script writer? You know, writing yeah, is a yeah. passion of mine. Like I enjoy writing and I would be writing all my shit. So I think, I think people start, people need leaders that talk like human beings and not who they think they are. Does that make sense? Yeah, absolutely. Yeah, definitely. Mm. And I think, I think government would be a much better place, you know, if we were able to like laugh stuff off too, you know, just talk like, yeah, it's exactly like what we are talking like what we're doing. Yeah. Exactly. <laughs> it's called casual <laughs> politics for a reason. It's not meant to be like, oh, like this, you know, this bill or whatever, you know, it's not meant to be like that. Um, I mean, C-SPAN, C-SPAN would be a hell of a lot more entertaining, I'll tell you that. <laughs> <laughs> That's for, for damn sure. sure. No <laughs> okay, awesome. So, um, like one of the other topics that you you sort of wanted to talk about was was Georgia as a state. Mm-hmm. Um, and so, what are your what are your thoughts? I mean, you know, Georgia yeah. for Biden. You know, it went blue you're in on, both Senate races. Yeah, you're on you're on the ground. I don't I think mean. I don't think it was I don't think it was bullshit. You know, I think that they severely underestimated the voting movements in both the presidential election and the Senate. Cause Oh my God, dude, every other commercial was uh, John Ossoff really? or Raphael Warnock. You know, they had wow. the marketing. Oh my God. The marketing was amazing. You know, it, and, and people were shocked that Georgia flipped blue because quite frankly, they tried this time around, you know, you had people that said, Oh, I'll go vote for them in previous years. And no one went to the polls. I think the whole vote movement really woke people up and they were just like, hmm, I think maybe we have to go vote for this. You know, it actually means something. And I think people are people want change. People want to see the justice take place. People want to see the reform take place. They want to see the freedoms take place. And and I think people are just now starting to see that. And I'm not surprised to flip at all we are the ultimate swing state say we're just about 50 50 i think you froze at the end let's see what what was the last part you heard about that i heard 50 50 yeah you're talking (laughs) oh yeah well well in in short we're the we're the ultimate swing state you know and i think that the country has started to realize georgia is possibly the most politically relevant state there is nice and and do you see that um you know a lot of the democratic senate candidates um earlier on were talking about um georgia being the start of of a new south right i remember reverend raphael warnock would always talk about that a new south is emerging right do you do you see that what happened in georgia in 2020 going on in other places such as maybe south carolina um you know, Alabama, Mississippi. Um, I think it'll eventually start becoming more progressive in other areas. I was in Alabama for a little while. They're still pretty red. Um, they're, they're older, you know, it's an older population there. And I think they're a little less receptive, but it does have, it does have a pretty big blue population. And I mean, blue and red, it, it's irrelevant, man. You know, the people, the people in Alabama are a little less, progressive mentally than the ones here i'm not sure about the carolinas but i think george george is the most progressive one for sure and you have a lot of people moving from california you have a lot of people moving from new york Mm -hmm. you have a lot of people moving from illinois michigan wisconsin primarily blue areas and they're all moving here because of lower taxes they're moving here because of more jobs they're moving here because of the weather you know and i think that's not going away anytime soon and you have people moving from other countries that are moving here like they want to live in Atlanta, they want to live in Georgia. Atlanta's got a wonderful reputation. Yeah, yeah. That's, what, that's what I've been hearing. <laughs> and especially, you know, over the past. Have you guys ever? You guys ever been to Atlanta? I've not, but but now I want to. <laughs> I've oh, actually. Yeah, you should visit. I've, yeah, 
I've actually been to Atlanta. Oh, yeah. It was it was for a short trip. Yeah. Like I remember like marveling, like the freeways were like 16 lanes wide. And I was like, oh my god, this place is big. <laughs> you were on I-85 then. Yeah, probably. I think that was the one. Yeah. Um, no, it's, yeah. A, it's a one. That's the one that goes. That, that's the one that goes into the airport, you know, and we're the busy, like I said, we're the busiest damn airport in the world. Yeah, you know, yeah. everyone knows who Georgia is. And I think Georgia may be the one to spearhead this whole effort of change. Absolutely. All right. And All it's interesting how like it was Georgia though. Right. Cause like me just thinking as a person, I thought maybe it would have been Texas. Right. Um, but I think Texas is a long way off, but Georgia. Yeah. It was a big surprise to me, you know, when Biden, when Biden got Georgia. For sure. I mean, we have a population that's more willing to work with each other than say Alabama or Mississippi or the Carolinas. Um, I think that the, the knowledge, the knowledge and the tolerance here, Atlanta is one of the most tolerant cities in America. I've got to say the police relations with the people are very good. Um, I think the police chief who recently, who resigned after the protests this past summer, um, they defunded the police in the wrong areas. So now parts of Atlanta have extremely high crime, you know, things, things that you wouldn't necessarily see before they did defund the police, but they defunded it in the wrong place, in my opinion. I see. I see. So was it like certain areas, like certain neighborhoods that they defunded or just overall sections? Well, the sections that they did defund were generally low income with a higher black population. Um, and I don't I, I think that I think that yet again, that that just illustrates, you know, they don't care about the marginalized groups. They, they care about I mean, when you say defund the police. Yeah, but where, you know, if you defund them up in Buckhead, not shit's going to happen. You know, it's all old, rich white people. But what they really need is reform in the low income areas. They need reform in the areas where where you know where it needs to be you know not just to save face and say oh yeah we defunded the police like i said yeah but where you know yeah absolutely mm -hmm. absolutely yeah. and 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 in your in your house district are will you be talking or are you running on a you know maybe more informative um especially since you said your district heavily leans red and maybe they don't um, you know, when you hear defund the police, but don't really understand the full meaning, you know, you can't, you, you don't, there's more meaning behind those three words, right? Certain oh, funding, of course. Then where yeah. does that money, where does that money go to, right? So we'll, we'll in your campaign sort of like go through that, go in depth more and ex explain that to uh, voters, potential voters of yours. Well, I think that, the, well, I live in the city of Noonan and the police force here is very responsible, very professional. Um, I remember when Atlanta police did their mass layoff and, you know, all of a sudden there's a bunch of cops looking for a job. I believe there was 150 people, 150 Atlanta cops that applied to be cops here and they only accepted four of them. Wow. They hold their police very accountable here and I think here the police are a positive force in the community. And I think really it's at the end of the day, the cops here are just guys doing their job, you know, putting food on the table, things like that. Um, I'd be shocked if there was any incident with the police here. I, I would, I'd be outraged of course, but at this moment, I think they have things pretty under control and they have good citizen relations for everyone. <laughs> And, and and going back, I guess, to Georgia as a whole, what, where, where do you see where do you see the future of Georgia going? I mean, um, I, I've been reading articles and in 2022, is it 2022 when, when the governorship back is back up, um, back mm -hmm. up on the ballot, right? And then I guess it's a it's a pretty, I guess, not well kept secret that Stacey Abrams wants to run for that governorship again. Um, how do you see that playing out? <laughs> And I guess state oh, legislator too. Stacy's got it. Stacy's got it in a landslide. Brian Kemp was a joke. Not even Trump likes him. Especially now, yeah, definitely. That's yeah, yeah. <laughs> he thought who he was and called the army down into Atlanta to. Okay, so when when the looting started, the governor called the national guard down to Lenox Mall, which is uh, it's the Atlanta Mall essentially, <laughs> and there are two malls next to each other. You got the Lenox Mall and you have the Phipps Plaza Mall, which is a little more a little more uh, affluent, upscale, whatever. 
they moved all of the National Guard vehicles to Lennox and they were guarding Lennox and then Phipps ended up getting looted. So I think that was a terrible look for the governor. You know, he did not call the shots well on that one. Regarding Stacey Abrams, um, I used to not, I, I didn't really know what she was about. I heard that she was a little extreme to the left, whatever. And I was like, you know what? I was like, it's probably not a good fit. And then I heard a TED talk with her on it. My friend Charles, he showed me one. And it was, um, she was telling a story about how she was the valedictorian in her high school and all of the valedictorians in the state got on a bus and they went to the governor's mansion, you know, just because they were the valedictorians and her and her parents got off the bus and they were stopped by one of the governor's cops and the governor's cops didn't believe that she was a valedictorian and that was there and they told her to go home essentially. So I was like, okay, that, that's, that's discriminatory at this point, you know, and I, I think I, I know where she's coming from. There's definitely, there, there was a rift back then. And she's a wonderful speaker. You know, I could listen to her for hours. Definitely, yeah. Absolutely. And I mean, not, and, and you know, the work that she did, she didn't, you know, when she, um, I guess, conceded, she didn't, she didn't really concede, obviously. Um, well, obviously she did, but, you know, she didn't really um, back down, but she didn't back down. She actually, you know, got to work and registered um, what uh, hundreds of thousands of minorities so that was that's pretty pretty epic work from her and I think she would be a better voice for the people at large than Brian Kemp is I'll tell you that yeah yeah, yeah that's for sure yeah like you know we don't normally hear about governors you know uh, other than our own but yeah, we've heard a lot about Brian Kemp, and it's not good stuff. That's for sure. <laughs> no, he, he's not. He's not competent in, in any way. How, how has the how has the um the state legislature like elections been going? Like, I know those, those aren't talked about as much, but have they been shifting blue as well? Is that is that the same trend um, on the like national level too? Yes. Um. The state, the state legislature recently, re, they reelected the Speaker of the House the other day. And this is a bipartisan issue, by the way. So let, just let me explain. Um, they almost unanimously voted this guy in. He's been the Speaker of the Georgia House since 2010. His name is David Ralston. And he was an attorney before he went into politics. And as an attorney, he had multiple cases. You know, these were like serious crimes. You know what I'm saying? Like uh, rape, child molestation. Um, things like that. And he let them walk, you know, and he delayed their cases so that he could enjoy his attorney benefits. He almost lost his license. And for some reason, nobody talks about that. And if you look, uh, if you look at the um, results, they almost unanimously voted him back in as Speaker of the House, because no one had the balls to stand up, stand up to him, you know, everyone knows what he did, but no one wants to say anything about it. That's horrible, really. Oh, yeah, it's terrible. And that just that that just proves my point even more that these people are sellouts. You know they don't have. I mean, here's the way I look at it. I think if you've been a politician for a long time, you're gonna have some dirt on you, okay? Especially if you haven't been completely honest with everything. Which, if you're not completely honest with everything, why the hell do we elect you in the first place? But these people, obviously, there's something stopping them from calling him out on his shit, and I find that very very interesting. And he has a reputation for attacking the people that are against him he doesn't have anything on a 21 year old kid you know well what are what are you going to call me like a little punk that that's it like <laughs> that that's all he that's all he can do and i think if there's a more if there's a youth wave i like to call it that a youth wave if there was a youth wave that suddenly hit the house that guy wouldn't know what the hell to do he'd probably quit no yeah he'd be completely lost you know because yeah. you you grow up around you know your political cronies and stuff and once they're all gone i mean you've got nothing their only their only friends are the lobbyists and special interest groups yeah that's valid you know that's very true that's very true okay, sweet um are there any like issues that you're so obviously i think you know a lot of what boston and i are hearing um are like you know very much like you know like to to change the system right like the system isn't working so let's do something different right and hopefully you know it'll produce a much better change um any like i guess other issues that really 
you're really passionate about. Um, just to give you an example, like for me, uh, I'm really interested in like universal healthcare, right? So like fixing the healthcare system, um, anything like that, that like, it's like, just really hits home for you. Well, uh, my girlfriend was raised in a low income home. Um, you know, they really never really ever had much and going to the doctor was a chore for them because they didn't know where the hell to get the money to pay to go to a doctor. I think universal healthcare is a wonderful thing. I think that it can be done the right way and I think it can be done the wrong way. And I think there are people pushing for it to be done the right way and there are people pushing for it to be done the wrong way. And I think that you need to talk to the people once again and you need to find out what the situation is at large. And that's why I, I, I want to talk to the people for this campaign. I don't want to talk to the donors. I want to talk to the people. I'd be like, how, how has a lack of proper health care affected you? you know and how what can be done about that i think that a lot of funding goes into shit we don't need i think that a lot of the funding could go into you know if if some guy breaks his leg he's entitled to go to the hospital and get the shit fixed you know that's that's the human thing to do that's the right thing to do that is helping your fellow man you know i don't know what you guys believe in but i believe in god and his son jesus and jesus once said treat the least of the humans like you would treat me and i think that the establishment at large has failed to do that so it's interesting that you actually bring this up um sorry boston um but like so i was reading i was uh you know i read i especially when the georgia you know senate elections were over right and i was reading about um this article about the rise of the like religious left right um mm-hmm. you know for for years and you know for centuries sort of you know if you were ever religious you were always associated with conservatism you know um the former gop right um that sort of that you know that side of the spectrum so but now i think we're seeing you know the idea that like you can be religious but also liberal right or liberal leaning or have liberal ideas um what's your what's your sort of take on that well my take on that is that liberalism is not a sin liberalism has nothing wrong with it i think most people that are democrats want positive change and they want people to be treated the right way and I think most of the Democrats on the upper levels only give a shit about themselves. Again, that, that's, a, that's a two-party issue. That, that's the Republicans, yeah. too. But I think largely the Democrats care more about others just as much as themselves. Because you got to care about yourself a little bit to survive in life. But the Democrats are more worried about the, the interests of others. And the Republicans are generally more after themselves. You know, you have... Your average Trump supporter, if you ask, okay, what's one good, what's the best thing that happened during his term? And they're going to say the money, because money, quite frankly, is a lot of people's God. Everyone is religious, theoretically, because everyone has their own God, you know, whether it be the traditional God or money or themselves or things they're pursuing. If you're in your own interest and you make it an obsession, then that's just not right. Absolutely. Yeah. 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 And I think that's, that's great. You brought up about this topic because, you know, I'm a, I'm a pretty devout um, Catholic and I just find that even historically Catholics are more supposedly more aligned with, you know, Republicans and the GOP. I see that, you know, when reading through the Bible, when reading through Jesus's teachings, a lot of what he says and does, it aligns more with the Democratic Party of like welcoming the strength, you know, take the immigration um, thing as an example, right? Yep. GOP wants to build a wall, right? But mm-hmm. Democrats are, you know, more welcoming with DACA, you know, welcoming industry and people who have not had great experiences in their home life. And I just find that crazy that um, certain GOP lawmakers would cite the Bible, but then turn their way, turn their backs away from, you know, um, people who need the help. Mm-hmm. Oh, 100%. You know, I'm in the belief that Jesus is coming back soon. We're seeing a lot of things in in society that point to that, you know, that align with the, the Christian teachings. I'm not saying it's right or wrong. Again, you can believe in whatever the hell you want to believe. I know that God lives in the human consciousness. We are a unique species because think about all that our species has done. Our species created Zoom. Our species created this phone. You know, it's like it's like borderline insane. You know, that we have limitless potential, but people are too distracted with arguing with each other. 
Absolutely, yeah. And it's like, you know, we have the power to do some pretty crazy things. And sometimes we use that power in the wrong way, right? Um, mm-hmm. Like, you know, the earth, the earth is simply heating up, you know, and it's pretty much all our fault, uh, you know. And there's definitely, yeah, there's definitely things we can do to, uh, to, to, uh, but that's the thing too, is like, we have the power to, to reverse that trend. Right. So it's, it's interesting. It's interesting. We do. And it's, it's, it's a constant battle between good and evil. You know, I remember you were saying about alternative energy. I love alternative energy. You know, if, if every household in America had a solar panel, do you know how much the power bill would be cut by? It'd be like power bill would be nothing. Exactly. I mean, it can be argued, you know, oh, what if I live in, say, Oregon, you know, Washington place that rains all the time. But the state of Arizona, and this is what Elon Musk has been doing with Tesla. He's been um, he's been testing out houses, especially in the West, you know, where it's more sunny. Mm-hmm. And he's been putting solar panels on all these houses. Phoenix doesn't need to pay for electricity. If Phoenix puts solar panels all over their houses, then it's, it, the sun is shining there. 300 days out of the year you know they're not they're not going to be hurting for energy yeah that's absolutely true yeah the sun is theoretically an infinite source of energy solar is my favorite there are other ways to do it there's a hydroelectric there i'm not a big fan of nuclear i think nuclear can go very very wrong very very quickly you know (laughs) if it falls into the wrong hands you know what i'm saying like I, i would rather not go there so i think solar and hydroelectric Sometimes wind, you know, wind power is viable, but I would want them built out in, say, Wyoming, Colorado, where they're not going to hurt anyone, you know, because they, they do look kind of ugly if you have like a whole wind farm. It, it looks kind of cool. It looks cool, but it's ugly. And the costs of making all those turbines, it, it kind of nullifies the benefit of wind power. Yeah, that's true. It does. It does cost a lot of, of money, to you know, and a lot of materials, too, right? Like you need all the steel. Oh, yeah. All the electricity. Oh, yeah. Um, very true very yeah. true yeah awesome 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 i think i think wait um one more if, if we don't have anything else because we mentioned this you know before we recorded this whole thing <laughs> but and you seemed really passionate about this um, public education um let's hear your thoughts because i think oh, this was before recording <laughs> that you talked about <laughs> okay let me ask you this when you guys were in high school did they teach you about stocks Nah. <laughs> <laughs> there you go. That, that's one. When you were in school, did they teach you about real estate? Did they teach you how to pay a mortgage? No, sir. <laughs> that's two. When you were in school, did they teach you about cryptocurrency and how the whole world banking system is, is going to be cryptocurrency in about 20 years? Nope. <laughs> that's three. <laughs> that's, that's just three examples. You know what I'm saying? There's so many examples of how the public education system has failed us. My mom, she homeschooled me for a time, right? And, you know, I'm, I get how people are just like, oh, homeschooling, you know, you don't have a social life, you know, you don't have any social interactions. We had a family up the street, they homeschooled all their kids, it was seven damn kids. And I would go there and I would, we would hang out all the time. And there are co-ops of homeschooling families that get together, you know, once a week. And what we would do is we would all take a Stanford placement test, which is kind of like an, kind of not the SAT, but kind of affiliated with it, whatever. It was like a placement test. And they would, they would um, ensure that we were at or above the public school level of education for our grade. Mm-hmm. You know, and I, I think there are many, many things they intentionally don't teach in public school because after the 2008 recession, which people are just now starting to realize after the 2008 recession, there was a push to go to a four-year university, a four-year degree. And I'm not shitting on a four-year degree because thing, there, there are some degrees that are necessary. Yes, you need to go to school for, you know, you want to be a nurse, go to school. You want to be a doctor, go to school. You know, you want to be in some sort of advanced engineering, go to school. You want to be in law, go to school. I don't know why the hell they're still handing out communications degrees because they're not worth the shit. You know what I'm saying? Like, it, it's ridiculous. I went in my comm class and the professor, it, the, the whole class was the professor ranting about how bad her marriage was. I was like, what am I learning in here? And we would have, the class was about $5,000 and we had to pay for a clicker. Mm-hmm. And it was like, it was like a remote, you know what I'm saying? And it counted towards our grade because you couldn't do the class without the clicker. Cause this lady was so fucking lazy. She didn't want to do the lecture. So she would, she would rely on the clicker to, okay, uh, click, click on this and this and this and that clicker cost 50 damn bucks. And you had to get it from the bookstore. 
And then you had to buy the license for the clicker, which cost 35 bucks. Hmm. And you could get all of that on Amazon for 20. And this one girl, you know, and this girl was really well off. You know what I'm saying? Like ridiculous amounts of money. And this girl would, this girl said, Hey, why, why can't we just get it on Amazon? Well, no, you have to get it from the bookstore. You know why? Because it goes back into the school. <laughs> and right now, most college is a money-making grab. You know, you have trades that are ignored. You know, you go to welding school for two years, you get out, you're making 200K a year. I don't like welding, but you know what? That's a passion for some people. That's something some people are good at. You know, you have you have different trades you could learn. And trade school has gone to the wayside because all of the advertising for four-year public education went through the roof. And now the that made the scarcity of a degree go down. Like that made the value of a degree go way down. And now you have to get like a master's to get anywhere close to a livable wage. Like if you want kids, you need to get a master's. That's absolutely true. Yeah. Like for example, the major I'm in public health, you need to get a master's. Um, there you go. To be able to do something. In it. Um, and um, yeah, trade school. Trade school just isn't normalized. You know, people just don't know about it. Cause frankly, you know, some people are just better suited to that. You know, college isn't for everyone. Right. Mm -hmm. Yeah. College is like, you know, college is hard. College is tough. And if you're, you know, if you're not going to go for, you know, a degree, like what you said, you know, trade school is really like completely normal, you know, or it should mm -hmm. be normal, I think. Well, then you have society at large tells you, you need to spend tens of thousands on your education. You need to spend 20K on a wedding. You need to spend 20K on a car or else you're a fucking loser. And I'm like, what does that teach people? You need to, you need to invest that 30 K for the wedding in the stock market, go to a community college, get like a basic degree, get the piece of paper that says you're smart. You know, if you really want to prove to your, another thing is family. You know, a lot of people feel pressured to go into college because of family. It's like a kid, you know, there are a lot of kids that their parents pressure them to play sports and they don't want to play sports, you know, when they're kids and they're pushed into it, they're like, Oh no, you have to play sports and this and this and that. And I feel like that's, that's the same with a lot of families. They're just like, okay, you need to get this four-year education, which by the way, it's not four years anymore. The average length to finish a four-year degree now with is six years. And that was before Zoom. Now this shit's going to take like seven years. You know what I'm saying? So like, it, it, it's just going to be a snowball. And I think the colleges realize that because they're all getting sued. Um, for example, half of ASU is suing their school right now. Like it's ridiculous and they're freaking out. They have, they have all this ridiculous amount of money and they have ASU in particular had the highest amount of federal funding from COVID um, in the country. Like it was the most funded school for COVID purposes. Like the government gave them a shit ton of money yeah. and they still wanted to charge kids out the ass. And I was like, at that point, it's just a money grab. You know, you look at that and you're just, you're disgusted. You know, it's, it's not about your education. It's not about you. It's, it's about that. And ultimately most basic degrees, I mean, they're going to say, oh yeah, we need the basic degrees. You know why? Because you need people to go into this culture of compliance, to go into this culture of um, subservience, if you will, and once you get out of college, you're going to end up going to work for someone who most likely had little to no college experience, you know, or had one of those higher professional degrees, you know, that you needed to go to school for, say, eight, nine, 10 years for, you know, an entrepreneurship, everyone shits on entrepreneurship, which you know what, I think I'm a very small business focused person. Mm -hmm. I believe you could make a million dollars in a day if you have a good idea, a good enough idea. Absolutely. Yeah. And it's like this culture of compliance, like sort of hits on it. He's like, Oh no, don't, don't do your own idea. Cause that's, you know, that's going against what the system is. The money. Exactly. Makes. The establishment want, the establishment needs um, obedient people to survive. <laughs> absolutely, absolutely. All right. Sweet. Uh, is there anything else, any other topics that you wanted to talk about to mention? For sure. I bet you you think I'm nuts because I talked about QAnon, right? <laughs> honestly, honestly, nothing surprises me at this point anymore, man. But go for it. Yeah. Well, you know, you know the origin of QAnon, right? Uh, yes. Yeah. Okay. You guys like 4chan? Oh, 4chan. Yeah, yeah, yeah. Okay. Okay. It started. It started on 4chan, which, by the way, there's a little bonus one. The whole censorship bullshit. 
Jack Dorsey tweeted today. He said we had to take Trump off because people were getting violent. It wasn't a slight against Trump. It wasn't a slight against his family. It wasn't any type of censorship. You had people ready to go kill half of Washington. And, you know, he was the guy that had the plug in his hand. And he decided, you know what, this is this is now involving people's safety. This is involving the safety of the public and everything else. And they had to pull the plug. So that that wasn't censorship. Now, with that, you know, everyone moved, all the, all the conservatives, they said, you know what, fuck you, we'll move to Parler, you know, we'll move to Gab. The problems with Parler and Gab are that they do not endorse free speech. They endorse the abuse of speech. And the abuse of speech nobody talks about. You know, I believe that we are entitled to free speech. That doesn't mean that you can say, hey, I'm going to go shoot up a school. You know what I'm saying? Like that is a threat. And the the threats that were on Twitter were insane. I was just like, yeah, you need to kick these fucking people off. And they went to parlor. They went to Gab. Gab is, oh my God. Like you think, okay. It, it was originally for neo-Nazis and things like that, you know, and people would go there because, you know, there were no restrictions on anything. And that it's like, um, dumping a cup of water in a thing of raw sewage okay that's that's what i that's what i look at it it's a cesspool okay 4chan has been around for more than a decade okay it's it's pretty uh untasteful if you go on there you'll probably see some some salty things some offensive things and it's not for the faint of heart i'll tell you that you know but the the goal is you have to look past that sort of thing because there's a lot of valuable knowledge on there right it's like reddit but completely uncensored so but if you make like threats on 4chan, they're going to ban you. And you have a lot of people that are well-versed in the tech industry making hundreds of thousands of dollars a year that happen to be on 4chan and they will dox your ass faster than anything. You know, like if you actually say or do something illegal, they hold your ass accountable. Yeah. Parler and Gab did none of that. I see. Mm-hmm. So they just well, let everyone go free reign, do whatever the hell you want. Oh, exactly. And that's so toxic, you know, and, it's so counterproductive because that's isolating, you know, one mentality from the other and putting it into the group of people with a genuinely harmful mentality. You know what I'm saying? Cause <laughs> neo-Nazis, I, I, I don't like, honestly, if a neo-Nazi said, uh, yeah, I'll vote for you. I'll be like, fuck you. Okay. Yeah. I'll take your vote, but I don't stand for anything you say. You know what I'm saying? Like it's, there's some people that their ideologies are just so out of left field that it, it's ridiculous. But the whole QAnon thing, um, basically the concept of QAnon is that it's a group of the elite, again, the establishment, and this covers both parties. And people, people think that QAnon is really advertised as attacking the left, which it's not. It's most people in power. You know, it's George H.W. It's George W. Bush, Bill Clinton. You know, most of our, most of our presidents for the past 25 years, ironically, um, and more high-ranking government officials and very high-ranking businessmen. And people are so quick to say, oh, it's bullshit. If you think QAnon is true, you need help and this and this and that, which is the textbook definition of gaslighting. You know what I'm saying? Like, if you say, oh, you're crazy, you don't know anything about that, and that's gaslighting and that's toxic. You know, you could just as easily sit down and say, hey, you know, what exactly do you think of this and make sure they're coming from the right direction? That's how I do things. I don't fucking call anyone crazy because I think – Everyone is saying something for a purpose. Now, the reason why I think QAnon has some plausibility is, you know, you're familiar with Jeffrey Epstein, yeah? Oh, yeah. Okay. Jeffrey Epstein, do you know how he got all of his money? Uh, No, I don't. Okay. Well, the problem is nobody knew how he got his money. And apparently his cover story was, oh, I was a big uh, financial guy. I was a financier, whatever. And I I watched a documentary on him. The guy was fired from the first financial job he had. And all of a sudden, the uh, CEO of Victoria's Secret, Leslie Wexner, he was a big, he was bigwig billionaire, whatever, suddenly takes him under his wing and 10 days later entrusts his entire fortune to him. And it just happened out of nowhere. And Victoria's Secret is all about Um, for lack of a better term, sexualizing girls, okay? And I'm big for women's rights. You know, my mom is conservative as hell, but she loves women's rights. You know, she was a big feminist in the 80s and she knows like shit like that happens. But um, 
the objectification of women is ridiculous in this country. You know, it's, it's both left and right. You know, you have things on TikTok, you have um, these 12 year old girls dancing, like, like they're adults. And I'm like, this, that shit's toxic. You know what I'm saying? And unfortunately I think there are some real sickos out there, more sickos than you think that go on TikTok to watch that sort of thing. And it's completely uncensored because, Oh, it's TikTok. It's okay. It doesn't matter. You know, this and this and that it's toxic. You know, you have, um, the epidemic of eating disorders, you have the epidemic of anxiety, you have the epidemic of depression, and the lockdown with COVID, all mental disorders have gone completely through the roof. Okay. I'm going to be square with you boys, you know, I suffer from anxiety, I suffer from depression, I have ADHD, you know, I'm not perfect. And like, I, that, I think that's what makes everyone so relatable is everyone in our generation has some shit wrong with them in their head. And I think that people are too scared to talk to their peers about mental health, especially the men. Okay. I, I understand that whole war against men crusade thing, things like that. We still have feelings, dude. Like we still, we have our own mental problems. We have toxic masculinity. You know, the only emotion we're socially allowed to show is anger. And you know what? Yeah. That leads to so many horrible things. You know, men can't show joy and men can't, all right daniel i think we're having tech yeah it's uh you've you've frozen up on us just uh let's see here let's give it a sec uh, oh, no. <laughs> oh, he's probably going to drop from the call. Okay, and if you're going to have to edit this. <laughs> oh, back. yeah. Uh, there we go. We're back. We're back. Back. Is back. Okay. <laughs> okay. Um, yeah, a little bit I of want, a, want, technical yeah. difficulty. That's I, okay. I want, yeah. Um, no, you're good. You're the good. last part. Yeah. That was, these are really important. Yeah, so you were talking last, I think we left off of, you know, men aren't allowed to show joy, I think is sort of where you were talking about. Yeah, um, the only socially acceptable emotion that men are allowed to show is anger in American society. You know, we're not allowed to cry. We're not allowed to be yeah. sad, you know, and all men do cry. I don't care who the hell you are. You know what I'm saying? Like all men show uh, emotional responses to things, but society says we can't. Um, I think that a lot of that stems from traditional gender roles, which I don't agree with. I think that everyone has an equal right to be a parent. I think everyone has the equal right. You know, you have straight couples, which sorry for going off on a tangent again, ADHD, but you have straight, you have straight couples that um, you'll see them in the news. You know, they do these horrible things to these kids that they've adopted or whatever. And then I know gay couples that have kids and they're the best families ever. That's why I think the, um, oh, only straight couples should have kids or they're going to turn them gay is complete fucking bullshit. Because I think LGBT, they're even more accepting than the average straight person would be, I dare say. You know, and, and it's not, oh, mom, dad, I'm straight. You know what? You like who you fucking want to like. You know, that's not anyone else's goddamn business. You know, and I don't, I think anyone that discriminates against them directly violates God's law. Absolutely, yeah. No, that's for sure. I mean, you know, even like, you know, even like legally in the law, it says, you know, you can't discriminate based on that, but it still happens on a daily basis, right? And there, there are people that push for that sort of discrimination, which is wrong. Absolutely. That's just moving the country backwards, frankly. Oh, hundred percent, you know, and, and you're going to, you're going to give the, you're going to give the green light to these couples that they abuse kids and they do these horrible things to the kids. That's, that's another thing, you know, the adoption system and the foster system are largely overlooked. And I think there needs to be more vetting for adoptive parents, for foster parents to make sure these kids are going to a good home. Because right now we have so many kids without parents. You have so many that, that I would say is the most marginalized group in the country are the kids that have no one to speak for them. Absolutely. You know, like not enough funding for so many governmental agencies that actually go out and help you know foster care system um 
public defender system since I'm, you know, into law and all that. I studied that last quarter, so. And kind of to expand upon that a little bit, but it's like, it's interesting how no one talks about, this is why I'm actually like, I like, I like that you're talking about this because no one talks about this, you know, like I haven't heard of you yeah. know, a Biden, you know, plan to like fix up the adoption system or, a, you know, like, you know, Senator plan to, you know, fix that stuff up. Um, and I think it needs to be addressed and I need to, I need, I think it needs to be brought to the forefront of things. So yeah, good on you, man. Good on you. For sure. Thank you so much. I appreciate that. But going back to Epstein, how he got his money. Um, like I said, everyone thinks he was a big financial hedge fund manager. The man got his money from trafficking young girls to the elite. Mm-hmm. And that there's no indication that he ever made his money from anything else because what he would do, his, his girlfriend, I guess, Ghislaine Maxwell, would recruit these girls and say, hey, I'm going to give you $200 if you go to this guy's house and give him a massage. That's how it started. And the girls, of course, you know, they were all homeless. They were the marginalized. They were the parentless. They were the friendless. You know what I'm saying? And he preyed on the vulnerable. And eventually it got really out of hand because he built up all this money from a sex trafficking ring, which the only way he could have got this money is if he got the money from people that had a lot of money to begin with. And I'm sure you guys can agree with me, all of Hollywood's corrupt. You know, you had Ricky Gervais calling out everyone at the Golden Globes for, oh, you guys like pedophile movies. I wonder what else you guys do and this and this and that. And if you rewatch it, you'll see most of the audience, Tom Hanks, you know, some of these directors, these big name directors, they're looking terrified because people are about to realize the truth. Makes me want to look at, look back at yeah. that thing, you know, look at those reactions. Oh my god! Do your homework. It's nuts. It's crazy. Yeah, yeah I think that's that wow. That's something I gotta look into like tomorrow or something. Gosh, that's scary. Yeah, I mean, I don't, I don't, I believe in a deep state. It makes perfect sense <laughs> because, again, you know, you have all these very, very powerful people um, that are that have been in over their head for years, and unfortunately, you know, all of this lying, all this bullshit has been going on since before we were born, which makes it like an existential crisis. You know, I'm sure you guys had the childhood, you know, in the early 2000s. Then you had the late 2000s and then you had the 2010s and then you have now. Um, It almost feels like we've been living in a matrix for my entire life because all of the people that are in charge today or most of the people that are in charge today have been in charge since before we were born. Absolutely. It's scary. No, it's terrifying. It's terrifying. (laughs) And we're the only people that can stop it. That is true. Yes. Like this is, if if any generation is going to do it, you know, it's got to be this one. It's going to be this one. Um, Oh, for sure. Because the thing is, you know, you have the baby boomers, which unfortunately a lot of the baby boomers, you know, Democrat and Republican, they're stuck in their ways. They grew up in the birth of the instant gratification. You know, you had McDonald's come around in the fifties, you had fast food, you had, television you had all these new inventions and it it built a culture of entitlement which is i think that that's what i start my book off with too young to run shameless plug that's going to be out this summer um (laughs) in the introduction um i talk about how the culture of instant gratification kind of got really toxic over the course of the generations i like gen x the the 70s the 80s because I think they genuinely mean well. They had it was kind of that gap between the baby boomers and the millennials. In my opinion, there's no difference between boomers and millennials because they both have the sense of entitlement. You know, any millennial can run for president right now. Like any millennial with because you could be 35 and run for president, um, and you could for sure run for U.S. Senate if you're a millennial. You could run for U.S. House guaranteed, and none of them do it. You know, you still have these people in their 50s that are still in power. And that just shows the inactivity they have. They're willing to be complacent. They're willing to be fat and happy. Oh, well, you know, if if um, Big Brother is taking care of us, then what the hell do we have to argue about? You know what I'm saying? Like, it, it's a sense of entitlement and they're too scared. They don't have the balls, essentially, to step up and say, hey, um, 
you know, this shit is wrong. And so it, the age gap between the people that are going to make the change and the people that are in charge gets bigger and bigger and bigger with each generation. So now you're going to have these 20 year old kids, 25 year old kids running just a bit. That's my dream, man. The, the way you need to take over the government. And I hope, I hope the government's listening to this. The way you need to take over the government is through the poll, through the election, not through force. You know, if you're going to bum rush the Capitol and be an idiot, that's not the way to do it. That's the way to get more people against you. That just, that shit just makes you look crazy. You know what I'm saying? But through election, you need to run, you need to run for office. You need to join someone's committee. Like this summer, I'm, I'm trying to intern at at someone's office in Washington. You know, I've, Mm. I've sent my resume to many senators, many representatives. I'm waiting to hear from them back. You know, I'd love to work with, you know, even if it's just some old guy, you know what I'm saying? Like, I, I feel like I could sit down and go out for coffee with him and be like, look, man, like, I know you have a lot more political pull than I do. And I just have some ideas and I'm hoping you could listen to them. And I think yeah. if people started doing that, you know, if people started becoming aides, if people started becoming assistants, like you don't need to have your face out there and say, Hey, I'm running for office. You know, mm-hmm. this is how I'm doing it. You can, you can be poli- more politically involved than just voting. Does that make sense? Yeah. You know, the whole vote movement just seems like a, like a, a way to suppress people. Just like, yeah, the same people are going to be in charge. Uh, but just remember, go out and vote for them. Yeah. And is I, I'm assuming that's sort of like part of the idea that motivated you to run for the Georgia House, right? Oh, yeah, 100%. I would say that um, the singular event that, sparked my interest was the george floyd killing um Mm -hmm. because i went to the protest in atlanta you know my girlfriend is my girlfriend i'd say is more liberal than i am uh and so so we went to the protest and the the beautiful thing was was that the media will never talk about this the media will never talk about this but you had all these people walking in the street and you had it was a sense of peace. You know, I never once felt like I was in danger, you know, when I was at this, at this protest and it seemed like it was a, they were angry at the establishment. They were angry at the people in charge. They were angry at the billionaires that aren't using their money for good. You know, they're using it for themselves. Um, I think some billionaires get a bad rap. I think Jeff Bezos gets a terrible rap. You know, the guy just posted on Instagram, Hey, blue origins the thing, you know, we're trying to travel to space you know, it's going to be Elon Musk's main competitor, you know, and people just think that Jeff Bezos is just the guy that owns Amazon and sits on all the money. I think they're sitting on all that money for a reason, uh, for good. You, you got, I'm not a fan of Bill Gates. Sorry for, sorry, Boston, you know, Washington, but I'm not, I'm not a fan no of Bill problem. Gates. You know what I'm saying? Like, <laughs> I, I think that he had a rough life. And when he came into the money, I think his goal was to, um, to get revenge on humankind. And I think that mm. that's the goal of a lot of billionaires to get their revenge on humankind eventually. For sure. For sure. But to, to, to wrap it all up, honestly, like with what's, what really sparked me was that it was, yeah. it was just the sense of harmony, you know? And when I was marching yeah. through the yeah. streets with them, I got a feeling that I've never gotten in my life. You know, it was, it was change. You know, it was an, it was almost like an awakening. Does that make sense? Like yeah. it was, it, it was just like you had all these cops that were making sure that no one was breaking the law, doing nothing, which they, they destroyed the CNN center. So uh, good job on that cops. You know, you didn't do shit, but, <laughs> yeah, but people were just like, Oh, well, uh, C- CNN really played themselves by the way. CNN was just like, Oh, well, uh, they're marching through the streets and it's a peaceful protest as they were shattering the windows of CNN. They're angry at the media. They're angry at the rich. They're angry at the politicians. It doesn't matter what party you are. We're coming for you. You know what I'm saying? Like the people are coming. The people are pissed. And Washington's shitting themselves right now. Like they don't know. They don't know how to act. Half these guys in the GOP aren't going to have a job come 2022. Mitch McConnell, his political career is done. You know what I'm saying? Like, that's facts. Like uh, Lindsey Graham, his political career is done. And these guys have been in power for 25, 30 years. And people are just yeah. now realizing how corrupt they are. Yeah. No, that's very true. Yeah. So I think with that, um, we can sort of wrap up again, dude. Thank you for coming on. Like, this is cool, you know? Um, for sure. 
um you know <laughs> just getting a perspective from someone you know sort of um is laid back but really like informative um you know shedding light on a lot of stuff that you know i'm gonna be honest like even we don't like to talk about but it's gotta you know the conversation's gotta be opened up um like dead ass like thank you so much Um, for sure other than that um yeah uh that's pretty much it so viewers wherever you're watching uh, if you're if you're in his district, vote him, dude. He's a good guy. He's a good guy. Thank you, really good guy. Do you have Do you have contact info you want to share with our possible viewers before we go? Uh, yeah, absolutely. Um, I'm not really active on my personal Instagram. I just shit post on my story on there. But my campaign account is the number four, the moms for the moms, M O M Z. So there you go. Just check it out. My whole platform's on there and I will see you guys later. All right. Awesome. Keep us updated and good luck. Yes, sir. Good luck, man. Good luck. Thank you. (laughs) We better be seeing you in the, uh, in the Georgia house. in in (laughs) Hey, look, like I said, man, like I said, one more thing, even if I get my ass kicked, at least I said, I tried. There you go. There you 100% go. of the shots you don't take. Michael Jordan. Michael Jordan. <laughs> I like that. <laughs> All right, boys. It was good talking to you. All right. Thank you so sure. much, Daniel. Take All it right. easy.